Men of Valor is one of the ministries that we get to partner with on behalf of your faithfulness. And so I always want to take a second and just say thank you to every person that trusts God monthly with their finances through tithes and offerings. Uh, again, we're, we're able to do so many things outside of the four walls. One of them is with Men of Valor. If you recall, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it was about a month ago, we got together and we were able to help assist with one of their graduations. Our worship team led worship. I got the opportunity to preach. And then because of your finances, we were able to provide a great meal for them as multiple men graduated. And we're continuing to build that relationship and figure out how we can be a part of it. One of the ways, in case you are a man and you're in here today and you really want to give back to a ministry like that, they're looking for more mentors, just young men or or older men who can uh, have time throughout the week to be able to sit with some of these guys and walk them through the Bible. And so if you're interested in that, let me know, let our welcome center know so that we can help connect you through that. But again, thank you. Thank you to every person that tithes, every person that gives an offering. We're able to support ministries like that. And if you're going, man, I really want to continue to get behind what Victory's doing, you can start your giving today, as the video said, uh, through, through going out the door, the buckets, or whether it be online or our app. And we would love for you to do that. My name is Troy, my wife Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, as Brian and Zoe said, we'd love to connect with you, do our best to just move you forward. Uh, Along with that, I do want to make a quick announcement that on August 15th, that's a Tuesday night, that will be our next meet and greet. So you've heard me talk about this before. Uh, It's about an hour and a half. And so what happens is we provide dinner, and then Darla and I sit, and we talk through the past, the present, and the future of Victory Church. And there's just a great time of Q&A and just some intimate time together in case you're new or you've been coming and you're kind of wanting to take that next step and know more about what's happening, I'd love for you to come to that. So if you want more information, again, August 15th, I've got some cards on me I'd love to give to you if you're interested in me there. But we would just love to spend that time with you and connect. Amen? Amen. All right, you ready for the word? Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to introduce you to two verses. I I shared these two verses last week, and these are the verses that are the foundational verses for this series. We're in a series called Patterns, where we're talking about how to change the patterns in our life that are leading to results that we don't want. And so certainly we believe that once we become followers of Jesus, we should be different. We should start to see change. But for so many of us, we're we're trying to change, but we're not succeeding and it becomes frustrating. And so last week I talked about how before we change anything about what we do, We have to start with who we are. We have to understand who Scripture says we are, who God says we are, because our identity drives our behavior. And while I believe, if you were to look at it in this illustration, last week's message is kind of the left leg. I believe today's message is kind of the right leg. And so you really need them both together. So if you weren't here last week, I know it's summer, people are traveling. Do me a favor, jump online, listen to that. But for those of you that are here today, let's get ready for a word. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 starts like this. This is Apostle Paul. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so through the filter of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Give your life to God. Keeping in mind God's grace, give your life to Jesus. Uh, And and let your body, let your life be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. He goes on to say in verse 2, but do not conform to the pattern of this world. So Paul shows us that this world, our culture, does in fact have a pattern. And if we're not careful, we can kind of fall into that pattern and then just find ourselves similar to like a rut going through the motions. But he says, instead of conforming to the patterns of this world, watch this. He says, be transformed. And you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so he tells us that we don't have to follow along with these patterns, but we can actually change. And it starts with the renewing of our mind, which we talked about 
last week. And then he goes on to say, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. My sermon today for you is simply titled, Scared Straight. I don't know how many of y'all remember when this show came out on TV years ago. It was called Scared Straight. And what they would do is they would go and get men who had been in the prison system, who had done hard time and hard rough guys. And and they would go get these young people who were causing trouble and acting all hard and bad. And they would bring these men in. And the goal was for these men to scare these kids straight, you know, to kind of give them enough fear to make them want to change. And I was thinking about this, and I remember when I was about 14 years old, uh, I, I was not saved. I had never been to church. I didn't know the Bible, none of that. Uh, I was at a friend's house of mine, which I'm pretty sure his family weren't saved, didn't know the Bible, none of that. But his sister and her boyfriend had, I guess, watched a video or something, and they had heard a little bit of knowledge in regards to the mark of the beast and the end times. And so they, they approached me in my friend's bedroom, and they start drilling me with the mark of the beast statements. Of, you know, you, you know are you saying you're going to go to hell? You're gonna, if you're going to get the mark of the beast, if, if you don't get the mark of the beast, this, if you get the mark of the beast. And I was so scared. I didn't know what was happening. I was like, am I going to be able to buy bread? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I was caught so off guard because I had never heard of it all. And it was interesting because like for like the next 15, 20 minutes, I really cared. Like I wanted to change my life. And then my friend was like, you want to play football? And I was like, yeah, let's go. You know what I mean? Because the reality is like you can be scared into something, but it doesn't last very long. And if we're not careful, what, what we'll try to do is we'll try to scare people into a relationship with Jesus. And that's it's not correct. There is a difference, y'all, in being moved to change by an unhealthy fear versus a healthy fear. There's a difference in that. Fear can certainly be destructive. If we're not careful, fear can actually tear our life apart. But not all fear is bad. Not all fear is negative. While some fears can imprison us and cause us to not do anything, to, to be shut down, to be you know, chained up, constructive fear produces beneficial wisdom and it can actually help us stay alive. All right, let me give you a couple, just, just an example real quick of a difference between a constructive fear and a deconstructive fear. Um, when you have a fear of a grizzly bear to the point that you don't go up and slap the grizzly bear, that, that's a constructive fear because that fear is actually keeping you from being killed, okay? But the second that fear moves you to the place where you won't even leave your house because of the possibility that there not, might be a grizzly bear outside, even though you live in Middle Tennessee, that becomes a destructive fear, right? So there's a constructive fear that actually could keep you safe, and then there's a de- destructive fear that could actually imprison you. And when it comes to the Bible, it can be real easy to find ourselves confused in regards to fear. Is fear good or is fear bad? Which, which one is it? I, I see them both in Scripture, many times in Scripture, uh, the Bible describes fear as a bad thing from which Christ rescues us. This is the, the destructive fears that Christ rescues us from. Yet in some Scriptures, we're actually called to fear God. Matter of fact, um, if you look at the King James Version, there are 175 verses that tell us to fear something, to, to, to fear not, or you know, um, to not have fear, sorry. Um, and then in the New King James Version, there's about 134 verses that tell us to fear God. So, so which one is it, right? Are we fearing God? Are we not fearing God? Some of y'all got scared with that. You're like, it's, it's the pandemic, right? You know, but, but which one, according to Scripture, which one is it? Are we to fear God or are we to not fear 
When we fear God, it's not us cringing before him like a prisoner robbed of freedom. That's not what we're talking about. Instead, our fear for the Lord actually causes us to treat God with respect and trust. It causes us to be in reverence or to have a reverence that comes from seeing the holiness and the power of a heavenly father. So when the scripture tells us to fear the Lord, it's about reverence of a holy God. Let me show you something in Isaiah chapter 11. What, you're about, what I'm about to read to you is a prophecy about Jesus, okay? So Isaiah chapter 11, we're going to read the first three verses. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And so what this is talking about is Jesus and the lineage of Jesus. So a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Watch this. From his roots, a branch, notice that the word branch has a capital B, a branch will bear fruit. That word branch is representation of Jesus Christ. And watch what it goes on to say. It says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on Jesus, okay? The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding. The spirit of counsel and the spirit of strength. The spirit of knowledge, and watch this, and of the fear of the Lord. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now notice this last part. And he, Jesus, will delight in the fear of the Lord. Notice that it doesn't say he will delight in the wisdom or the understanding because we all delight in wisdom. We all delight in understanding and in counsel and in strength. But he wants to make sure that we understand that the fear of the Lord is not a negative thing. He says to us, listen, Jesus delights in the fear of the Lord. So if Jesus delights in the fear of the Lord, then you and I should delight in the fear of the Lord. It's saying Jesus does not want to be without the fear of God. And so you and I should also not want to be without the fear of God. So many people confuse a spirit of fear with the fear of the Lord. That, that's often where the confusion is. They, they think just because it's the same word, fear, fear, they confuse this spirit of fear, this, this scare, right, this boo, this thing I'm scared of, they confuse that with this healthy fear of God. But fear of God is not being scared of God. And here's why. Listen to me. You cannot have a relationship with someone you're scared of. This is why when we say the fear of the Lord, we're not talking about being scared of God because how are you going to have an intimate relationship with God if you're scared of him? I said in the first service, I'm not, I'm not making light of this, but it's like having an abusive father. You're not going to have a good relationship with someone that you are scared of. And so when it says fear of the Lord, it's not talking about being scared of God. Uh, a little while ago, I got the opportunity. I wanted to take Darla down to, to downtown Franklin. I wanted to take her on a date to this restaurant that was in downtown Franklin. Uh, it had live music, and so I wanted her to experience it. So we drive down, and the, and the downtown Franklin kind of has this district. It's kind of like a downtown buildings, restaurants, and you, people are walking all down the streets, and there's kids eating ice cream, and there were these girls trying to raise money, so they were playing violin, and there was this guy who was singing, and all these families, and it was a pretty night, music, and, you know, treats and food. It was all this. And then on one of these random corners was a guy who was preaching the turn or burn theology, right? I know y'all are familiar with that. Standing on the, on the corner, just letting people know that if they don't do something, they're going to die and go to hell. And, and I was listening and, and a lot of, you know, I say a lot, half at least of what he was saying was accurate 
theology. It, it was the truth that you and I, if we are sinners and we don't recognize the salvation through Jesus Christ, we will die and go to hell. Like that, that's accurate information. But it was about how he was saying it. You know what I mean? It, it was the way he was presenting it. And it was so weird because you had like, on one side of the road was kids eating ice cream. And on the other side of the road was a guy going, you're going to hell. Like it was just really odd and wasn't quite lining it up exactly. And nobody, nobody was listening to him. Everybody was out to have dinner and to have a good time with their family. And, and, and because of the way he was coming at it, this, this concept of trying to make people be so scared of something that they would all of a sudden give their life to Jesus, people were just not interested. And so they were walking by and not, not giving any interest. I, I did think it was funny that uh, we walked by him one time. <laughs> he he kind of said under his breath, I don't know that he was talking specifically to us, but it kind of felt that way. He just said, you're not going to be able to take your tattoos to heaven. And I was like, you know, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like, I, you know, that's not why I got them. You know what I mean? I understand. But it was just, it was just odd. It, it was this odd concept and, and it wasn't effective because listen to me, when you scare somebody into something, they can be scared out of it. And so when you scare somebody into a relationship with God, they can be scared out of it. But when we introduce people to God through the love and grace that his scripture is clear, it's a lot harder for people to walk away from it. People who are scared of God, who are scared of God, often will withdraw from God. While the people who have a healthy fear of the Lord, watch this, are terrified of being away from him. I love that. People who are scared of God, they will withdraw. Because listen, anything that we are scared of, we withdraw from. We see a spider, ah, get away from it, right? Anything that we are actually scared of, we will eventually withdraw from. But people who have a healthy fear of God, they're actually terrified of not being near him, not being close to him, not being around him. He is the God. He is the holy God. He's the Savior. They want to be near him. The fear of the Lord doesn't drive us from God's presence. If we've been taught that, we've been taught wrong. The fear of God doesn't drive us from God's presence. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Listen, a good and wonderful fear of God draws us closer to him. When our, when our right understanding is a healthy fear of God, we are terrified to be away from him. We want to be closer to him because we understand who he is. One time, Darla and I got to go to Chattanooga. We got away for a couple of days, and, and we're, we're very outside people. We love to be outside, hike, whatever we can do. And we found this park, and when you walk up to this certain edge of the park, there's, you're, you're just overlooking all of, I guess, maybe downtown Chattanooga or Chattanooga. It's just, it's just beautiful. It's amazing. And so we would walk to different parts and look at it, and there was this one area where there was this rock that stuck out pretty far, and I wanted to experience it, so I got up on the rock, and I'm, I walk out, and I take a picture of me sitting on it. I actually have the picture. Oh, we lost it up here, I guess, um, but you see it over here on the sides, and so it, I was sitting on this rock. It's funny because I posted this on Facebook, and I had friends who were messaging me, and they're like, you know, are you okay? And I was like, I'm not going to commit suicide. What are y'all talking about? Like, I'm just enjoying the, the beauty. My mom's freaking out. You know, she's like, why are you up there? And, but even when I was going to get up there, Darla's kind of like, hey, you know, be mindful of what you're doing here. Pay attention. Don't get crazy. And, and I'm out on this rock, and I'm looking at all of this nature. And I'm, watch this. I am very aware that if I don't respect the place that I am, if I don't have a healthy fear about what I'm doing, that this thing can kill me. I, I'm completely aware that if I make the wrong move and fall off this rock, I am 
dead. But I wasn't so scared of it that I didn't even go near it at all. I wasn't like 20 feet away from it going, well, if I get too close, I might fall. It was a healthy fear. But here's what I learned. When I went out on it, watch this, I actually stayed close to the rock. The closer I got to the edge, the closer and tighter I was to the rock because I had a respect of what could happen. I had a a healthy fear, and so that healthy fear caused me to draw closer to the rock. Do you hear me? When we have a healthy fear of God, it's not that we withdraw from him, it's that we draw closer to him because we understand that amongst all things, he is our protection. He is our safe place. He is our rock. And so a healthy fear of God causes us to want to draw near him, not withdraw from him, but near him. As a believer, our fear is not about the judgment of God. It's not. Instead, our fear fear of God is reverence to him. It's in reverence to him. It's to be in complete awe of him. To fear God is to esteem, respect, honor, and adore him above anyone or anything else. It's to sing a song like how great is my God. The name above all names. It's to understand that he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. To understand that he's both the creator of God and he has as many thoughts about me as there are sand uh, or you know, pieces of sand on the beach. It's to put God in right understanding, like Darla was saying, to have him in right place in our mind. It's a healthy fear of God that does not let us forget he is God doesn't cause us to withdraw, it causes us to lean in. And so this series is all about how you and I can see real change in our life. And so again, last week we talked about you got to get that identity right first. You got to know who you are and let that identity drive that behavior. But I started thinking, how does the fear of God play a part in our change? If Jesus delights in the fear of God, how does that fear of God help us change? So I want to give you a couple of reasons, a couple of ways real quick that the fear of God helps us change. Number one is this, it helps us avoid evil. When we have a healthy fear of God, it helps us avoid evil. Watch what Moses said in Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. He says to the people, do not be, everybody say, afraid. That's going to be important in a minute. God has come to test you so that the Fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Isn't that interesting? Moses says, don't be afraid, but embrace the fear of God. Don't be afraid, but embrace the fear of God. It seems like irony, right? It seems like it doesn't make much sense. But what he's saying is, don't have an unhealthy fear of God, but instead embrace a healthy fear of God. Don't be scared of God to where you run away from him and withdraw, but just have God in reverence. Honor him. Be in awe of him so that he's in right standing. Well, why, Moses? What happens when I'm not scared of God, but I have a healthy fear of God? He says it'll keep you from sinning. It'll keep you from sinning doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but there are moments where having a healthy fear of God sobers you up and keeps you from sinning. That There are some people who deny the need to fear God, choosing to focus only on the love of God. And then there are people who deny the love of God, choosing to focus only on the fear of God. All right. So there are some people who are all fear, no love. Some people who are all love, no fear. And I feel about this, I, I've all, you always hear me preach that we need both grace 
and truth, right? There has to be a balance of both grace and truth. You can't have all grace, no truth. You can't have all truth, no grace. There has to be a balance. It's the same way with the love of God and the fear of God. There has to be a balance. You can't have all love, no fear. You can't have all fear, no love. And here's why. The love of God keeps us out of the snare of legalism, okay? And the fear of God keeps us out of the snare of lawlessness, So let me explain. The love of God stops you and I from falling into this ditch of legalism to starting to walk around thinking that it's all about us and that we have to be perfect and that we have to perform. And if I don't read this and do that and act this way, God doesn't love me. It keeps us out of this ditch of legalism, the love of God. In the same way, it's the fear of God that stops us from getting into this ditch of lawlessness, which is us walking around going, I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. It's what keeps us balanced. Listen, we're in a culture today that just has this mindset of do whatever you want to do, right? Listen to me, young people. This is important for you to understand that you're, you're being driven by a culture that says YOLO, right? I'm sure there's a, a newer way to say this. Uh, YOLO, YOLO is probably old now. Um, there's a new word every five seconds that means the same thing we already had a word for, but don't get me started on that no cap. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so anyway, but uh, <laughs> Holy Spirit, gone. Um, but, but, but pay attention because this is what the culture's saying. You know, just, just treat the Bible like a buffet. Go in and pick what you want, leave what you don't want. You be your own law, you be your own king, you be your own queen. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. And, and there's a danger to this thinking. Listen, I'm not, we don't want to fall back into the ditch of if I'm not perfect, God doesn't love me. No, God's love and grace is sufficient for me. At the same time, I can't allow it to swing all the way to the other side and say, because God loves me, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. It doesn't work that way. When we have a healthy fear of God, it balances us in the middle. Embracing godly fear empowers us to remain under submission to truth. It empowers us to be in line with truth, keeping us from pursuing harmful things, and watch this, a better way of saying it, and not doing stupid stuff. When we have a healthy fear of the Lord, It helps keep us from doing stupid stuff that's going to get us in trouble, that's going to ruin relationships and lose money and lose position and things. It keeps us from doing that. In doing this, it keeps us on a path of life which brings remarkable rewards. When we have a healthy fear of God, we are walking in that middle balance where we know that we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, but we also have some type of boundaries where we understand that God is not just somebody. I I, I was sharing this with first service. Um, I did a sermon years ago called Jesus is Not My Homeboy. And I looked it up just to remember some of the stuff I was saying. And I remember what started the idea to begin with is I'd walked in the store and they had this t-shirt and it said, Jesus is my homeboy. And it was a picture of him with this ring around his head. His finger was up in the air. And and I get what they were trying to say. I'm all for grace and, and all these kind of things. But that troubled me because if we're not careful, we'll move God down to our level. I used to struggle all the time with that song, I am a friend of God, boop, 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 you know, like, like I, I get it, it's cool, it's awesome, you are, you are a friend of God, but if we're not careful, if we're not careful, God goes from being holy, God goes from being all-knowing, 
bringing him down to just one of us. And when God is just one of us, it's not his word, it's his suggestions. When God is just one of us, it's like, ah, if I don't want to, I might not. And all of a sudden now there's no fear of the Lord. When when he's on our level, there's no healthy fear there. But when we put him back in his right position, when we have a healthy fear of God, there are boundaries set up in our life that protect us and give us real freedom. If you have a dog, more than likely you probably have a fence in your backyard. And it's not because you're a terrible person. It's not because you don't want your dog to enjoy life. It's not because you're trying to restrict them as far as it comes to being a puppy. You have that fence because you want to open the back door and you want to let that dog go out and play and use the restroom and you don't want to have to worry about it. And then you want to be able to open that door once that dog's back. Nobody's ever come over to your house, knocked on your door and said, I can't believe you. How dare you put a fence up and stop that dog from roaming all over the city, right? You put a fence up because you love them because inside the fence is their freedom, Because no matter how smart you think your dog is, if you leave that fence open, at some point that dog's going to go, well, I wonder what's going on out here. (laughs) And he's going to stumble into a road because he don't know what cars are. And at some point that car's going to hit him and he's going to die. And then you're going to be upset that you didn't set up boundaries. And I know we think highly about ourselves, but we're not much different than dogs. (laughs) And if there's not a boundary, well, I wonder what's going on over here. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go check this out. And then we wonder how we ended up in this situation. And God says, hey, when you have a healthy fear of the Lord, you will allow those boundaries in your life that some people will tell you is imprisoning you, but in reality is setting you free. It's allowing you to move around the truth of God and experience remarkable rewards. So something that we have to be passionate about is establishing, I'm praying, I prayed every day this week, God, give me a healthy fear. Give me a healthy fear where I honor you and I'm in, I'm in reverence of you so that when moments happen where evil, I will know how to flee. When moments happen where I'm going to sacrifice great for good or even worse, I'll realize it and move. Help me have these boundaries in my life. For some reason, I don't know why, there's this epidemic right now about just believe what you want to believe. Just let your truth be your truth. And listen, what that's doing is we think it's giving us our own fence. It's removing fences altogether. And God, who loves us, who created us, who died for us, says, I want to give you boundaries that will protect you and keep you safe. And those boundaries are a result of a healthy fear of God. So it helps us avoid evil. Number two is this. It helps us overcome other fears. The fear of God, having a healthy fear of God, will actually help you and I overcome fears of other things. So Proverbs 19, 23 says this, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Some of you need to see that because you might have been taught before that the fear of the Lord leads to, to, you know, anger or the the fear of the Lord leads to something less than, or the fear of the Lord leads to discomfort or, or condemnation. The fear of the Lord leads to life, leads to life. Well, why? How does it? Watch this. Then one, you, you get to rest content. You get to actually, anybody want some rest around here? You get to rest content, untouched by trouble. There's so much trouble going. I talk to people all the time, and they're either worried or they're anxious or they're scared. And there's a couple reasons why. It's not all our fault. 
I was telling some people, you know, we were never meant to know all that we know. We, we shouldn't know about disasters and deaths that are happening to people that we've never met in other different countries or states. That's a lot to carry. We got I got enough drama to carry from my house. You know what I mean? I'm trying to raise kids and be a husband and lead this church. I got enough. I don't need to know what's happening in Florida. You know what I mean? Like you keep that with the Floridians. I don't know. But we got so much going on. There's so much worry and there's so much pressure. But when I read that scripture, it says a fear of God gives me life. The Bible says worrying doesn't add any moments to your life. Worrying doesn't add anything to your life. But having a healthy fear of God does because it allows you to rest and not be troubled by trouble. Let me tell you this. There is no shame in you being afraid. Mostly because being afraid is a reaction. Something happens you weren't expecting. Boo! Oh, we're afraid. <laughs> we, we took our girls to an escape room uh, and when, uh, about a week ago or so, and there was this moment towards the end where, something, where, where Veda put a necklace on the statue, and this thing popped up and it was loud, and they screamed. Well, Veda screamed. Then Casey was, screamed by, was scared by Veda screaming, so she screamed. And then Casey screamed and scared Veda again, so she screamed more. It's just a reaction. There's no shame in being afraid. However, the paradox here is when we truly fear God, we really have nothing to be afraid of. When we really have a healthy fear of God, we don't really have anything else to be afraid of. We fear not. We need not fear because we trust in God who is in complete control. When you have that reaction, when you have something happens, all of a sudden that bill's more expensive than you thought it was going to be. All of a sudden the check wasn't going to be what you thought it was going to be. It didn't come in time. The, the tire and the car is low and you don't have money to fix it. When you all of a sudden you find, now I won't, go, I won't keep going down these roads. Uh, some of y'all be like, you've been in my house. So when we have all these moments that, that just bring up fear, it's okay to be afraid for a moment, but let's grab that and let's bring its attention to the fact that God is greater than any other fear that I have. When we have the right fear of God, it minimizes the other fears that we have. I was thinking about this. When our society lost God as the proper object of healthy fear, it became more neurotic and anxious. Think about it. When, when our culture started shifting away, because at one time we had a fear of God. It wasn't healthy, but we had a fear of God. But in the process of trying to move it to where it's healthy, a lot of people lost it altogether. And when we lost that fear of God, what happened was our society in a whole just became anxious and scared and worried about everything. It's like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm worried. I'm worried. Well, why are you worried? Well, I'm worried because this could, I remember, I remember literally putting this on Facebook early in the pandemic. A lot of people that are friends of mine on Facebook were, were talking about how worried they were. And I remember talking to them. I go, like, why are you so worried? And they were like, we just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I was like, you never knew what was going to happen tomorrow. Right? Like, like, like there's, there's, there's always going to be, can I, there's always going to be something to be scared of. I have a 13-year-old. I'm scared to death. And she looks like her mama. I'm really scared to death. You know what I mean? Like, there's always something to be scared of. But if I put God in the right place as someone that I fear in a healthy way, I'll always say, God's greater. God's bigger. So I don't have to be as scared of this. God, the creator of the universe, he knows every sparrow that falls to the ground. He knows every hair that I have on my head. He's the one who spoke into existence light. He said light, and there was light. Pinpointed the stars, built the mountains, created the oceans, created you, 
rose Christ from the dead. This, this God I'm talking about, this, this holy, almighty God, when I put him in the right place, when I'm in awe of God, earthly things don't scare as easily. For some of you, you've been overwhelmed by fear. I don't know what's going to happen with this. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm telling you that the best way for you to overcome that fear is to put your shift or to shift your fear into a healthy fear of God. My car tire, my two front car tires, they're, they're, they're almost gone. Let's just put it that way. Um, I'm, I'm going to get them dealt with so nobody come to me and be like, you need to really work on that, son. I'm getting it done. But when you, when you drive and it rains, it, 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 if you're not careful, it kind of feels like it's uh, hydroplaning. And so normally if it's raining, I just, I'll try to take Darla's car. We won't take my car, whatever. Anyway, sorry, too much information. So we're on the interstate the other day. We're driving down, me and Casey Ray, and it's sun, sunny day, beautiful as can be. And I mean, on, just immediately, it went from a beautiful day to just pouring down rain. It was crazy. I'd never seen anything like it. And as soon as it started out, my first thought was like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, like I'm in trouble. And for about, I don't know, five seconds, I literally was scared. I didn't know what to do. Casey Ray's in the back. You know, I didn't want anything to happen to her. And so I immediately started praying. I just said, God, I, you know, I just prayed, Lord, you know the situation. Just protect me. Watch over me. Surround my car with your angels. And, and we're driving down I-24, and we go under one of those road overpasses. And the second we came out from it, it was like there was no rain whatsoever. It just, it was like I hit a wall. The, the, the ground was dry. It was the craziest thing. It was so extreme that it caused Casey Ray to go, what just happened, Dad? And I told her. And I told her everything. I said, I told her about my tires. I told her about prayer. And I just was realizing that, you know what? Things on this earth are scary until we remind ourselves of the God we serve. When we move into a place that has a healthy fear of God, we understand that he is the holy, almighty creator of all things, that he is God. He's not our homeboy. He's God. And when we find ourselves afraid of something, let's remind ourselves, hey, put your fear to God. Shine the fear to God. I remember that old country preacher always say, when your problems seem big, you know, show them, to your, how, show them how big your God is. Y'all ever heard that saying? Like, look, I'm telling you, let's put our attention on God. So when we have a healthy fear of the Lord, number one, it helps us avoid evil. Number two, it helps us overcome all the other fears. Number three, watch this. It helps lead us to repentance. I once heard this saying, I don't remember who said it, so I can't give them um, credit. The saying was, people will never want to be saved if they, don't know, if they don't know that they need to be saved, right? Like if people don't know they need to be saved, then there's no interest in being saved. If there's ever a point where we don't think we need God, then we'll just walk through life without really having this healthy fear of him. So I want to show you a scripture in Luke chapter 5. Before we put it up, let me, let me give you a little bit of context. Jesus shows up and he starts calling people to be his disciples. And he calls Simon Peter to follow him. And then he asks Simon Peter, he says, can I get in your boat? I'm going to go out into the waters and I'm going to start preaching the gospel a little bit. And he does so. And then he looks to Peter and he tells Peter to go ahead and start fishing. He says, put your net in the water, let's fish. And Peter had been fishing all night and had caught nothing. So he tells Jesus, I've already done this. You stick, you stick to speaking, I'll stick to fishing. Like, there's no reason we should do this. And Jesus says, no, no, put it 
on the other side. So Peter puts the net in the water on the other side. And the, the, the section of Scripture is actually called the miraculous catch because he catches so much fish. The Bible says the boat starts to sink. He has to call other people over to help him haul this fish. And then something happens in that moment. I want to show you verse 8. This is so powerful. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, when Simon Peter saw what happened with the fish, the Bible says he fell at Jesus' knees. And he said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Now, it was interesting because I've read this so many times throughout my life, and I always saw this as negative. I always saw this as that unhealthy fear, like he was scared of Jesus. Like, like get away from me, like, like, like that, that kind of fear. But the more I've been studying this thought, the more I've been reading up on having a healthy fear of God, I couldn't get this story off my mind. So I went back and read it again, and I started having this thought. What if this is really the reaction of a healthy fear? What, what if Peter thought at first that Jesus was just a prophet? You know what I mean? Like, he's a good speaker. It, it was very common for rabbis to say, follow me. So maybe Peter thought he was just another rabbi. And he gets him on the boat, and he goes out, and Jesus is teaching. He's like, man, this guy is actually pretty good. People are interested in him. And then he looks down to Peter, and he goes, hey, you know, put the net out. Let's fish. And Peter goes, whoa, 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 buddy. You're, you're a prophet. You do what you're doing. I'm a fisherman. Jesus says, no, put it on the other side of the boat. And Peter's like, whatever. So he takes it, puts it out. And you have this moment of this miraculous catch. And I couldn't help but wonder if this was the moment, if Luke chapter 5, verse 8, what if it was the moment where Peter realized God was in his boat? You know what I mean? Just, just this revelation. Because when we have a healthy fear of God, when we honor God and are in reverence of God, when we're in awe of God, we are reminded of our sins. Our, our sins are, are, are made evident to us, not in a condemning way, but they, it's what causes us to go to repentance. And watch this. As we go to repentance, grace meets us there. So it's a healthy fear of God that moves us into repentance. And as we get to repentance, the grace of God meets us. It's not about condemning. It's not about you and I being scared of God. It's a healthy fear that helps us know that we are sinners in need of a Savior. It never lets us forget that no matter how good we think we are, we can't do enough. But as it moves us into repentance, we are reminded of the grace of God. I even thought about this. As a healthy fear of God moves us into repentance, it also helps us appreciate and understand how great the grace of God is. Amen? Do me a favor. Stand with me for a moment. Ben, I'm going to invite you up. Nobody leave. Give me, give me just a few seconds. I really want you to grasp this, and then I want to end today just by letting us have a moment of worship where we can really kind of take a moment and ask God to, to, my prayer for you this morning, I don't know how to do this for you. I don't know how to manufacture it and I don't want to manufacture it. So my prayer was that the Holy Spirit would just give us in this room a fresh awe of who he is, a fresh reminder of the almighty great God. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, work out your salvation through fear and trembling. Y'all ever heard that? 
And it's funny because, again, y'all got to remember, I'm, I'm very organic in my faith. I got saved, and I just started trying to read the Bible for myself. I didn't know what it meant. And when you don't have help reading the Bible, sometimes you just take it very literal. So I read, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I said, I'm supposed to be scared as I'm living for God. That's what this says. I'm supposed to wake up every day not wanting to disappoint him. I'm supposed to wake up every day being reminded of what a sinner I am. And I'm supposed to be afraid to not mess up and make a mistake. But that's not what that verse means. Let me help you with this. Work out your salvation with fear. Let's take that word fear and let's put there reverence and awe. Work out your salvation with this awe of God. Not an unhealthy fear, not you're scared of God, but you honor who he is. You're working out your salvation, remembering that God is the great almighty. You say, but what about trembling? So I'm a massive fan of Penny Hardaway. He's a basketball, was a basketball player. Thank you for that one fan. Um, he played in Memphis. He played in Orlando. Now he coaches the Memphis Tigers, but I'm a huge fan of him. And when I, this was years and years and years ago, uh, I got the opportunity to meet him. So he was playing in what's called a pro-am at the FedEx St. Jude Classic in Memphis. They, they pair a pro golfer with an amateur golfer, and he was there, and I was freaking out. And so I got tickets. My dad got me and my friend tickets, and we went, and I had my Orlando jersey with me because my plan was to get him to autograph it. And so, you know, everybody's following because there's big-name golfers, and there's all these people there who like golf, and all I care about is Penny Hardaway. So I'm like the one person following Penny Hardaway everywhere, right? And so there's this one part where he's walking to his next uh, uh, hit, and he's, he's in the middle of the fairway of, of the golf course, and he's probably 50 yards away from me, and they have this rope up to where, you know, you can't just run after him or whatever. And I just, I just figured I'd shoot my shot, so I just went, Penny! And I'm not lying to you. I'm seeing him walking, and he stops, and he looks, and he sees me. And I'm like, you know, hey, I got my jersey on my shoulder, you know. And he's probably looking for a small child. There's a grown man sitting over there freaking out. He's like, it's just my luck. And he starts walking towards me. And y'all, I'm freaking out. I'm like, I'm hitting my friend. I'm like, you see, he's coming towards us. He's walking. And, and, and you imagine, it's forever. It took him forever to get there. And he gets there. And, you know, he's like, how you doing? I'm like, oh, hi. You know, I can't speak. You know, I'm like a child or like a small girl meeting Taylor Swift. I'm just freaking out. You know, I hand him my jersey. He signs my jersey. And I'm trembling, y'all. I'm just shaking like this. He hands me my jersey. I'm like, thank you, pity. It's so, thank you so much. And, you know, Michael's like, my, my friend, he's like, you want a picture? And like, I couldn't even pose in the picture, right? I was just like, yeah, just so freaking out. Like, it was crazy. And the Lord brought that back to my memory. He said, why were you trembling? You weren't scared of him. There wasn't a moment where you wanted to, to withdraw from him. You were in awe. You couldn't believe that that was him. That he's right there. Listen to me. When it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, fear is in all of God. And trembling is the result of you being in awe of God. What the word is telling us is follow God, pursue God, chase God in a manner where you are in all of him. He, almighty God, come on, close your eyes right now. Almighty God, King of kings, Lord of lords, there's no name above your name. Father, I love you. I worship you. Come on, would you begin to ask him right now, just say, Father, would you give me a healthy fear of you? Would you take me back some of you, you need to go back. Remember, 
Remember when you used to have the awe of God, the A-W-E, the awe of God. Help us, Father, to work out our salvation in fear and trembling, not because we're scared of you, but, Father, because we are in awe of you. The almighty God, the God who has more thoughts about you than there is sand on the beach, that God. The God who put the stars in the sky, the God who spoke light and there was light. That God, draw, that God draws near to you. Come on, will you just take a second? Let the Spirit of God be in this place. If it draws you to repentance, repent. Say, Father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Father, for at some point bringing you down to a level instead of putting you in your right place. Would you remind me right now of who you are? And as that moves me to repentance, I'm met with your grace. He told Moses, take off your sandals because you're standing in a holy place. He's holy. He's holy. Come on, can you worship him this morning? If you're in all worship, if not, ask him right now. Say, Father, help me. I don't even know what it means to be in all of you. Father, would you help me? How great are you? Come on, let's worship him this morning. How great are you, God? You're the name above every name. You are the Almighty. We worship you. We lift up your name. We bow to you. We give you our lives as holy sacrifices, Jesus. We are in all of you. Hallelujah.